This is CliffCentral.com. Fashion Lab on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Fashion Lab show. My name is Lizo Gumbo Regisford, your host, and thank you for tuning in to the lab once again. Now, on today's show, we're going to be discussing the Chinese economic engagement within the fashion industry in Africa, obviously and beyond, because here we are living and playing in a very global space. So there's always a silver lining on every cloud, I believe. And I think that instead of having such a negative approach towards this ching ching uh, people that we really love, I think it's important to also realize and acknowledge where we feel they're actually helping us leverage um, the economy or playing some really important roles um, in this space, especially within Africa. Now, according to a McKinsey report released this month, in two de- decades, um, China has become Africa's most important economic partner. Now, across trade, investment, infrastructure, financing and aid, no other country has such depth and breadth in engagement in Africa. Now, Chinese uh, dragons farms all sizes and sectors and has been bringing capital investment, management know-how, entrepreneurial energy to every corner of the continent. So in doing so, they're actually helping accelerate the progress of Africa's economies. Now, since the turn of the millennium, Africa-China trade has been growing at approximately 20% per year. That is a big, that's a lot of growth. Now, foreign direct investment has also grown even faster over the past decade with a breakneck annual growth rate of 40%. And despite all of that, this number actually understates the true picture that they found based on this report that China's financial flows to Africa are around 15% larger than official figures when you actually go to the bottom line. So we want to just really... Uh, unpack this conversation. We want to plug in um, our guests and obviously today our special guests are our very own team who come with lots of experience and valuable insights within this $3 trillion worth industry today. Now we're joined by Fashion Lab's uh, partner and contributor Edgy Benson who also runs NU in New York uh, coming to us live and direct with his echoes from New York. Edgy, welcome to the show. Thank you Liz. How are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you. I'm hanging in there. The flu is trying to still put me down, but I'm feeling fabulous, and it's a beautiful day, and everything is everything is iry. That's what it is. And I like your look today, though. Thank you very much. I'm just trying to be a bit clean, classic, and still being obedient to the weather. I mean, it's actually nice. It's a good day. So I'm feeling great, and I'm ready to talk about this Chinese economic um, engagement. (laughs) Are you? Absolutely. And what are you wearing, Edgy? Uh, and w- who made your clothes? Should I say what you're wearing on the bottom half, or are you gonna say everything today? <laughs> <laughs> and for those who are listening, I'm not being rude. He just normally wears the same thing uh, for the last two years on the bottom half. Actually, two and a half years. <laughs> so, so Edgy, please, well, I, be, I beg. What are you today. wearing, and w- who made your clothes? That's what we want to know. Today I'm repeating something. I'm wearing the same airy pants I wore the, the last season, but they're, I mean, the last show, but they're beautiful and comfortable and a, and a polo, a polo shirt with my company's name on it. I'm promoting my company today. 
Mm. Baba, you don't lie. It's beautiful. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, it's always lovely to have you on. Now, we're also joined by our other special guests. Like I said, we're holding it down with the team today. We're joined by fashion expert, designer, creative and dream, creative and dreamer, Francisca Mazzilli with her echoes from Europe. Professional dreamer. <laughs> well, <laughs> professional. Well, when we say you're a dreamer, we already know it's, it's on that level. So, well, we'll, we'll leave you to it, Francisca, but welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank and, you for having me one and, more. And thank you for joining us. What are you wearing and who made your clothes? I'm wearing um, uh, a black dress uh, of my summer collection and um, sandals, high-heeled sandals. Today I was back on the high heels. Hey, hey! <laughs> yeah. Liz- Lisbon, me. better watch yeah. out for you today. <laughs> We're actually, I think it's funny, I'm also wearing a black dress today, so I think you guys are rubbing off of me with that black stuff, but I am wearing black because I was feeling a bit black uh, this morning, so this is why I'm wearing black. <laughs> <laughs> You're feeling a bit black. How does yes. that feel? <laughs> now, black, uh, for those who want to run with this, because you know the problem is we live in such a world where people just take something and run with it, and before I know it, they're talking about she thinks she's not black. I'm not talking about black, my color black. I'm talking about feeling black for me is feeling not black as in race black. It's Black is, is a something. When I look at my color palette, when I look at my wardrobe, when I look at my house, everything is always so colorful. So when I'm feeling either I'm a bit, down or a bit like maybe a bit sick black comes it's a mood thing remember we pull out clothes based on our mood so again for those who want to judge me now for you you will fail on this one (laughs) you will just fail flat (laughs) i've already explained myself (laughs) and this goes to podcast so it actually is recorded so you cannot use anything against me but anyway Back to our conversation. Francisca, thank you for joining us uh, as well. It's always nice to have you on and uh, get some of thank your insights you. around our conversations. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And then for those of you who are tuned in for the first time, just a quick reminder. I've got my favorite segment at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? Uh-huh. So feel free to share with us oh. your who's and your why's. That's our glass of red wine. That's when we unwind in this uh, house of ours at the lab so keep your tweets coming we're at fashion lab af we are on instagram at fashion lab africa and we are on facebook also on fashion lab africa uh we'd love to hear from you uh for those of you who are tuned in um if you have certain compelling conversations or subject matters that you feel would be really interesting for us to also tap into please feel free to email us at info at fashion lab africa.com uh and we can definitely make a way to also get those conversations up and running now uh edgy and uh francisca we all know uh and i know that francisca for you who's based in lisbon um generally playing in the european marketplace when it comes to fashion you will have a bit of a different response and you will have some insights based on what you feel uh when it comes to uh the chinese uh and how they are running things uh around your space whether it is a good thing or a bad thing it's something that we'd love to discuss and actually watch and see how the trends either are a bit similar with what's happening in Africa and then edgy we can also pick your mind from a US perspective uh and edgy also I want to pick your mind as well um bringing in the fact that you also work with uh the Chinese in many other ways, especially when it comes to the factories and the back end of your business uh in a very big way. So now we have been speaking about uh the fact that I feel um as an African 
uh, player playing in this game and living in this continent, there's a lot of negative connotations towards uh, the name Chinese because everyone thinks, oh, they came and they dumped this and that here. And I'm not negating that. I'm just basically saying there is different ways of engagement. And truth is, as much as they may come and dump some of their cheap uh, products, uh, they also come in and bring in a lot of, um, they elevate in a lot of other ways. So I would love to just pick your minds before we go into uh, some sort of report that I want to just share with you. So I'm going to just share some of these reports um, just in like a brief, um, Edgy and Francisca, and then you guys will just give me your insight or your feedback of also what you think or where you think we're going with this. But generally, before we begin, uh, we'll start with you, Francisca. Where do you feel when it comes to your market that... Uh, how do you feel or what sort of engagement are you feeling when it comes to the European and the Chinese, uh, when it comes to business engagement, especially within the fashion space? What, what's happening? Well, uh, yeah, I understand. Um, the, the, the relationship between uh, China and uh, Europe is very old, I could say, because it started in the 80s in a, in a more developed form. And um, in the fashion industry, um, I can mention the Mrs. Uh, Laura Biagiotti, that uh, is a uh, is um, a lady of the of the Italian uh, fashion scene uh, that uh, that faded in uh, last May, so it's very recent. Uh, that uh, was the first uh, the first one uh, who made a fashion show in the opposite sense uh, in Peking. In, Be- in Pechino, uh, in China, in the 88. So uh, this was uh, something that uh, nobody understood at the time. But um, uh, before, bef- uh, she, was, she was there uh, several times uh, to travel. She traveled a lot with, uh, um, with uh, her husband. And uh, she found a way to buy a cheaper uh, cashmere than she bought before. Then she started, she opened uh, a way to burn, to buy, uh, not yarn, but fibers, primary fibers, uh, from China. This is, it sounds funny, but <laughs> to buy cashmere in China, but uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, really like this, it was. And, um, and then she started uh, there. And so I, I could say that uh, I cannot talk about China without talking about uh, Laura Biagiotti. Of course, uh, um, in the in the start, uh, everybody was scared about this because uh, we're coming here um, cheaper products, but also with cheap quality. Uh, you didn't know what, very well what you were buying. I'm, I'm talking about uh, the 80s, so it was a, a very early, early period about this. Okay, so, but, uh, so Francisca, you, in, in general, um, what, yeah. what would you say today, how would you say ah, the influence, what uh, is, what's the influence of the Chinese um, sort of, uh, are they penetrating into the European market as much as they are in Africa, or is it less of what's happening in Africa, or is it... How what's the what's the relationship? How is it? Is it is it a is it a bad thing for them to be in? Are they are they um are they appreciated well, by we, the markets? Or is there a boundary? What what's what's that's all? That's what we would love to just tap into um, briefly, and then also feel. Um, uh, now um, we are looking at the at the Chinese um, 
Chinese uh, uh, upcoming new Chinese uh, as an uh, unnecessary evil because uh, in a, in a certain way uh, it's true um, they changed not only the market of the textiles but also the market of work but have they taken uh, have they would you say yeah. they've taken but over now, that market yeah. or would you say that the it, you, european um industry when it comes to textile when it comes to manufacturing is still strong enough meaning that it just kind of goes hand in hand and there's no threat and there's no takeover now it's uh, it's so it's uh, it's so now it's so but um lasted a lot okay. uh it was a long process it's not uh, from one day to another that it this happened okay and edgy on your side what's happening um what would you say uh you know you've been obviously based in the US for many years and you have seen and you're also behind the scenes when it comes to uh the manufacturing side of things what would you say is happening uh between the relationships uh do you have uh chinese taking over the manufacturing when it comes to most of these brands in the US or w- what's what's the current situation in your side of the world well you know i'm going to speak as as practically a chinese <laughs> so i'm going to be i'm going to be biased you know i was married to a chinese woman i i have had i've co-owned a factory in china for the last eight years uh, my my biggest partner is in china so for me i mean without china i don't see how my business uh, grows and sitting here in new york you can see the impact of china well normally you struggle with you say oh well it's coming from china quality issues but i think you know quality is a result of reputation china has capacity and they for so many years they've been imitating and imitating and and that has become now their best power this ability to imitate <laughs> and is that a good no, thing or a bad thing <laughs> Absolutely. Because when you imitate and you can beat the guy who actually originated it, then you know, you're that, better that, than that. You've done you've done very well. So, um so they do have a serious impact. And one of their biggest impacts is in just their offer. Imagine the world without without China. Forget about every other part of it, but just from the fashion perspective, right? Um who who else is going to give you that amount of capacity, that ability to deliver? and that vertical interface that you want so you 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 you're manufacturing a pair of jeans for instance the fabric is there the laundry is there the, the sewing room is there the trims are there all the notions you're not having to outsource anything so just that availability of everything within your within your grip enhances your ability to deliver the goods and your ability to produce quality so China's impacts are tangible and intangible. The tangibles that we see, we see the clothes, and sometimes, yes, we argue about the quality. Um, but the fact that you actually have the product and now you worry about the quality, that is, that is actually a big deal. You actually <laughs> have the product. Quality can be improved, you know? <laughs> and anyway, across the world, quality for manufacturing, they, they, they don't have that sharp curve anymore. It's almost a straight line. Everywhere you go, whether it's Cambodia, China, wherever, they're going to, you're going to have good quality so long as you can follow up on it 
uh, the differences and maybe level practices and stuff. But quality, by and large, that curve is not as sharp as people might want you to, to believe. Everybody can offer quality. What China offers differently is, <clears throat> is just a huge resource base from, 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 from just the fabrics, uh, the, the manpower, machinery, and, uh, you know, the ability to just and the willingness to just be there and to walk and to, you know, China offers, China, that's, what, that's what separates China. So, of course, every, everything that is good has a bad side, but I think it's always good to look at the bad side because the good side, because that's what empowers us. The bad sides we can always fight. As human beings, we fight about, we fight against bad all the time. Um, but for me, uh, and here in the U.S., China's impact is palpable in fashion. Like, you take it away, and fashion fashion knows dives. I mean, I don't know where it goes. Maybe to the, into the Atlantic Ocean or something. But you can't take, uh, you can't separate China and, and fashion. Very hard to do that. So do you, would you say that the, you think, do you feel that the industry, if China pulled out, you feel like the industry would just die? Yeah, it, it just knows dives into the Atlantic Ocean. Where are you going to go? Uh, <laughs> hey, seriously, you know. Seriously, seriously, where are you going to go? You go to where? Uh, Vietnam? How many people are in Vietnam? What can they produce? You know, it's capacity. Yeah, capacity, the ability to deliver. Wow. You yeah. know, uh, let me just give you one example. Two years ago, right? The, the the EU didn't want a, a shipment of Nike from China to get into 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 the EU before Christmas just for some regulations or whatever. But you know what though, that blow was felt all over because you can't get these things in, and that's where you, where you're gonna run to really. We yeah. should worry that they have that much monopoly, but they do. Yeah. yeah, you know, so what are you, what is, okay, so let's go back to, um, maybe we're going to save the worst for last. Um, now, according to another report released by the SSRC around Chinese ascendancy in the global clothing industry, with a mm. focus on implications for sub-Saharan Africa, new preferential trade arrangements is in the early, sort of started in the early 2000s, made it easy for sub-Saharan African countries to break into the global apparel trade. Then, however, their mm-hmm. continued participation in this highly competitive trade since 2005 has actually been a challenge due to the dominance of China and the elimination of quarters following the end of the multi-fiber arrangement. That that was also very interesting. You know, I just also found out about this multi-fiber arrangement, but we'll look at that later. But this has serious implications for the sub-Saharan African industrialization and export growth. Now, that conversation or that report actually examines the interaction of clothing trade between China and eight leading garment manufacturing sub-Saharan countries in the global market. So it's an interesting report to look at as well. And as a result, obviously, they spoke about Mauritius. And I know, again, when you say if China was pulled out, where will people go to Mauritius? And forget about people. Let's talk about Africa on its own. Now, as a result of just pulling out that MFA, uh, you've got exports in Mauritius and Madagascar, Madagascar that actually rose to about rose between 2005 and 2007. Then you've got Lesotho, which is also a very big exporter, who also their export trend was flat, literally, for years. Then exports for Kenya and Swaziland drifted slowly toward downward toward the same period. And then after 2007, 8, 
um, in the case of Kenya, all five countries experienced experienced a decline before picking up again in 2009 and then 2010. By 2011, all countries' exports were less than they had been in 2005. That's like another dip. And then you see for Kenyan Mauritius, the differences were quite small because in ex- exports in 2011 were 4.6 and 6.5% lower than these countries. So if you look at it generally, all we are saying is that it is a good thing, but shows that there's more significant declines as we go on and on. And another thing is out of this, Chinese farms in Africa could dramatically accelerate their growth by expanding aggressively in both existing and new sectors. And these farms are, people are basically saying or projecting this could reach the revenues of $440 billion in 2025. So, Edgy, as much as you're talking from that side, what is your... What do you think? Do you think this is really a good thing for Africa? This is the other conversation I'd love to just tap you, your mind, uh, tap your mind on and also just get Francisca's feedback. But do you really think as much as there's, there's, there's some value, but there is also some questions? Actually, actually, I was just going to get to that point. If, if Africa, if we look at China, right? If you look at China maybe 20 years ago, mm-hmm. we, they were not that far away from where we are, you mm-hmm. know? maybe 25 years ago, you know, but they have just continued to do what they do and eventually they became very, very strong. What do they have? They have population Mm -hmm. and Africa has an abundance of that. They have a willingness to work. Africans have that too. I think Africa has to look at China as As a a lesson. As a lesson. Yes. Like, what can we do to compete? I feel like because China have the advantage of being one big block, in Africa, we are not one big, but a lot of countries, but we have regional blocks, right? If Africans can unite and consolidate these blocks, right, we can absolutely compete because we have the things that China has. We have that population, the young population that can work. And Ethiopia gives you an example of that. Even in Kenya, you can see the workforce is there, the quality is achievable. It's just for us to seriously look at China as a partner, but also as a competitor. Can we compete with them? Can we rise up to... Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think Mm. Edgy uh, and Francisca, we've obviously, based on the fact that, first of all, let's just understand and accept that China is among the top four partners for Africa across all these dimensions. We are talking trade, we are talking investment stock, investment growth and infrastructure and financing and aid. And the truth of the fact is the one thing that we can say is value is they bring in uh, a lot of technology. They bring in, they're willing to uh, run sort of a, uh, different programs to make sure that there's, you know, so, so sort of like skills training. Uh, they are happy to provide that. We've seen that they're happy to uh, bring in employees, but at the same time, they're not, you think they don't bring their own people. So I'll tell you, and, and uh, based, based on, yeah, so based on this report, for partnerships to happen, obviously we have to be operating on a very healthy sort of business has to be healthy from both angles. And the truth of the matter is that they have, I think, only 40, 47% of the Chinese farms source uh, local, uh, uh, I think, local uh, employees. Because funny enough, as much as they come in and set up and set their businesses up, they actually come with their staff. So there's, so, so, and I don't want to focus yeah. only on the negative, but I just want to say that for the partnership to happen, and I really agree with you, I think we are all speaking the same language. For them, for us to work with them and for us to also look at them as a lesson, 
One of the things we yeah. also have to accept and agree is, and for me, this is very close to the heart. Besides uh, the sort of how they hire, for example, only 44% of local managers uh, at Chinese-owned companies were, were African. And they have a lot of companies here. So for me, one of the things that would happen is there's got to be some sort of something that just, there's got to be some sort of MOU that just agrees that this is how the things will run. For us to be able to trade and actually win and, and, and develop this economy, even by having them in, because having them in is not a problem. And that's maybe also the conversation and, and the insights we need to share with people to understand that having them in is not a bad thing. How we relate and how we, we, collaborate or how we partner is is where we need to work we need to work on that otherwise we're gonna be we're gonna be they will take over so we don't want take over thing i don't want to say they'll take over but we just have to find a very good healthy balance and then another thing is the instances of labor and environmental violations we all know that a lot of the chinese owned businesses don't really pay attention to that really like they should. So this obviously range from your inhumane working conditions to whatever else we, we all know about. So for me, again, when I think about them infiltrating this market, it's a beautiful thing because they're bringing in, there's value they're bringing. We're not just complaining, but at the same time, there's certain, uh, th- there's certain areas that have to be regulated for us to actually improve. But, Otherwise, uh, yes. Lisa, this is up to our governments to to regulate this. If the, we don't have uh, policies uh, in this sense, uh, serious policies, mm-hmm. uh, we cannot complain. Uh, or better, we have to complain with our governments. I think. And, uh, mm. I think. Uh, I think in Europe is uh, something like this, something similar to a regulation. Is uh, it's uh, something similar, eh? fairly similar, is uh, achieved, but uh, there's a long uh, way still to to run. Yes, yes, and I and I agree with you, Francisca. But I just feel like between me, you, and Edgy having this conversation today here at Fashion Lab, we are only. Hmm bringing out our insights and we're only sharing our ideas around what we think based on what is the current situation with this sort of engagement. And we are not the people who are going to change the government's mind or put policies into place. It's, uh, but we have power. We are media. So the conversations should be able to stir up some sort of thoughts into whoever it is that is able to work around these policies or work around how uh, engagements work, especially with foreign investment and foreign engagement. Uh, so I think for me, we are not going to change the world. I'm not going to change the world right now. We, uh, me, you and Edge, you cannot change this world. But me, you and Edge, you can have conversations here that can start up uh, so certain uh, change mindsets or start up some thoughts. And bring some conscience into this is something. Liz, Liz, yes. Look, so I wanted to I want to say something, right? The the the, the power to regulate this this what China does in Africa is like like uh, Francesca just said in the hands of our our governments. You know, like they can regulate because they are inviting people in. You we can regulate that, but. Beyond that, though, I just feel like there has to be an, a hunger in Africa. I mean, the governments, like in these regional blocks that we have, whether it's Kosafa or ECOWAS, or, or all these regional blocks, just for them to to kind of prioritize 
Like we have mm. the AGOA, right, which allows African countries to ship to the U.S. for no customs. Mm. That is just laying waste there, you know, mm. because we can't utilize, we can't maximize it, we can't even utilize. So most of the quarters go unfilled totally, you mm. know. Mm. You know, so it's just a government commitment. We have everything. If if I, we have to consolidate, though, not everybody can. We cannot because China has the advantage of just being one block. You know, mm. we. For us, we have we have several blocks, but the good thing we have is we do have those blocks, so it's easier to to, to bring them together and consolidate and and focus on our industry, focus on manufacturing, uh, not just for fashion but across the board. Look at okay, when you look at if we step away from 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 fashion for a minute and go into like food processing. I mean, who can beat us at it if we wanted to produce, uh, process all our foods, you know? Mm. They just, the mangoes fall off and get rotten, you know, all kinds of stuff. So we do have, yes, China comes in, they do all kinds of stuff. But the fact that they come in shows Africa has all of these things everybody wants. But mm. we're not, the, you know, we need to, we need to tap into it. But uh, this is a topic, uh, Eji, that uh, from uh, an uh, environmental point of view, it's uh, the same identical thing in Europe. We have different mentalities, we are very fragmented, and it's just now that we are with uh, this uh, European community trying to reach this, but we are still trying. Um, uh, the, the strong point of uh, Chinese is, is that they are united. The, uh, the collective mm-hmm. sense is uh, um, upon every other thing. The, the single person doesn't count. What counts is the community. Yeah. And this is the strongest point of them. That we should, we should as you said before, somehow... Who, uh, when I don't know, uh, try to imitate. But in Africa, I don't see this. Mm. In Europe, I don't see this at all. Uh, so it's, it's very, it's a very complex topic. This one. And, uh, okay. Liz, yes. yes, go ahead. There's one more. There's more. One more area where China excels, and mm-hmm. which, which allows them to to have this advantage. Like in America, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. There is no. There are no vocational training systems or courses for, for people. So let's say you go to school. You can't go to school to be a carpenter, right? If you went to school to be a carpenter, it's like, I don't know. People don't even <laughs> think it's something. But, you know, but those are the areas where, com- where that's where com- countries compete because those are the, those are the, those are the highest available jobs. You know, the sewers, the carpenters, the, all the plumbers. Those jobs are there for everybody. But in America, you can't have, it's very difficult to have expertise in these areas. In China, there's expertise in everything. People are willing to do everything, you know? And I would think Africa has this advantage too, that we can have people who want to be tailors, who want to be laborers, who want to be uh, plumbers. I don't think it's as bad as it is here. And that is a huge advantage to have in terms of us growing a manufacturing base across, you know, not just fashion, you know, learning the trades, you know, empowering the trades is very important. China does that very well. So now Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Um, With China, who is currently the dominant trader in clothing in Africa? Can you believe that? And I promise you that in just looking at some research in, uh, 
I think they say Chinese exports to Africa stood at 52 million in 2000 and then expanded to uh, 560 US dollars, million US dollars in 2011. That's just just like 10 years. Million, million, 560 million. And that was 2011. So let's just remember that we are now in 2017. And that was accounting already for 61.8% of the traded volume in when it comes to uh, uh, exports in the African market. So when you look at, and then again, let me tell you another thing before we go. Kenya, Mauritius, South Africa, and Madagascar apparently account for a substantial share of the traded volume within Africa. So those are the main countries when it comes to clothing exports. Now, mm. when you look at what is going out from Africa, from clothing and a clothing exports perspective, and when you look at what's coming in from China, please tell me, how is the fashion industry going to survive this one? Where are we? What, what are your thoughts? And also, I'd love to know what, what's going to happen. It's not about surviving it, please. It's not about the fashion industry surviving. It's about managing it. Because we yeah, can't, how are they going to manage? Sorry, the word is manage. How are we yeah, going to manage they, this? Well, <laughs> one way to manage it, there are two ways to manage it. One way to manage it is to accept it and say that's the way it is. The other way, not to, the other way to manage it is to fight it. But to fight it, you've got to come with the goods, right? So if Africa wanted to fight this, this outflow, this inflow from China and this negative outflow from Africa, if they wanted to fight that, we have to buckle down and start, what can we sell to the Chinese, right? What do, what do the Chinese need? What can Africa we sell them that they will not rip? Sorry, I just have to say. What can we sell them? I can sell them my Maasai sandals. What can I sell them that they won't rip? Well, that's another thing too. That's another thing. How do we come, that's how the, do we come that's back the, the rape? That's the ripping headquarter. Like seriously, what can you sell them? How, how can we combat the rape though? But that's again, it's a collective policy that has to come out of Africa. Like, okay, no more rape. You know? How do we, how do we achieve that? What is the nature of the rape and how do we fight it? This is so serious, though. It's very serious. It's actually bigger than us today in studio. It's yeah. good conversations to, to start. The government are not paying any attention at all, but this is a real rape, you know? I mean, it has a lot of good sides. Rape is never good, but this particular one at least um, has the advantage that the things, are, the things do come in. We just want to figure out how we can also move things out, you know? It cannot just be inflow and inflow and inflow. This is just loving on one direction totally, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I do think it all boils down to a government position. I think the Ethiopian government has done very well. There's so much outflow from Ethiopia. Yes, true. Kenya, true. Kenya is trying. So you can see that there are individual spotlights that where we are actually doing very well. How do we consolidate all of this, you know? And, and and move the agenda forward. There, I mean, right now, to be honest with you, I, there are a number of things in my in our collection that I would love to do outside of China, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look at my head, I can't. I'm going to Lisbon because I, I'm making my shoes in Lisbon. But beyond that, I, I don't know what, what else I can I can. Pull Where else out to go? Come China. here, <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on to Lisbon. Come here. <laughs> no, because you're thinking of you're thinking of. Of, of, of like quality checks, you know, there are certain points where like there are some things that you can't really take for granted, you know. I'm not saying Africa is not doing very well, but see, I'm not getting the confidence. You understand? I want yes. to be confident that I can take it to Africa, but 
I'm trying to grow this confidence, but confidence grows out of products coming out. Because we have less products coming out, people don't see enough to be confident, you know? Sure. In this sense, uh, Edgy, you mentioned uh, an interesting topic, especially for, especially for me that I'm based in Portugal, and I often deal with the uh, shoe traders. Mm. I could say that uh, this, uh, um, this, this topic of the, the, the confidence is something to be built in uh, years and decades of uh, work. Mm-hmm. Um, Portugal, uh, um, 20 years ago, wasn't so, um, wasn't so skilled in the, in the shoe industry. Mm. And, uh, but, uh, but, um, always looking at uh, the Italian industry and having Italian techniques, techniques that come, came here and, uh, teach it how to, to, to work, uh, with leather and, uh, and the shoes, uh, they, with time, we, they have uh, the chance and they were open-minded to understand in the humil, Uh, and have the humility too to understand that they needed some helping hand and some new input from abroad because this is another uh, strong topic um, to understand uh, that you need that someone else knows them more than you and uh, teaches you how to do because you are good by yourself but uh, sometimes it's possible that you can improve and if improving is not by yourself has to come from abroad absolutely and this is a, a, i guess it's a, it's um a, a sign of intelligence and this in this sense uh, portuguese handcrafters uh, especially in shoes uh, industry they acted very very well they have a, a strong uh, we have here a strong and competitive uh, very competitive um, quality uh, shoes and market And uh, um, now we are internationalizing always uh, more, more and more. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's yeah, a very, yeah. it's a boom of the in the economy. I think, yeah, I think for me, I love what Francisca is saying with regard to like for every industry, there's time, school fees, time has to be, you know, there's got to be time. Things don't just happen overnight. But I still feel like for me, when I sit in this continent, I also for some reason feel that people are giving up. I feel like African um, entrepreneurs, especially within this sector, are not putting in some really serious teamwork. You know? Because you can't... You cannot change anything in one or in tens. You need big numbers to make a change. You need one voice, you know, through the industry. You need consistency. Uh, what I have noticed and observed is there's a lot of people now who are just like, I can't be bothered. Next, next thing, they're in China, they're in Turkey, they're in whatever, doing whatever they want to do and producing. And I'm not mad at them because from a business perspective, business has to continue business as usual. However, with that sort of, um, uh, with that sort of attitude, what I have, or what I worry about is we will continue business as usual, but who's going to, Who's going to make sure that, you know, things are happening and that things can actually move ahead here? Because everyone is basically thinking for their own and it's all, and I understand that, you know, we live in a world and time where everyone's busy building their own and there's not, no sort of coalitions that are formed to really, uh, be able to address these issues and really bring one voice. I think there are a few things that are happening or a few sort of, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's talking about these things in the continent. And I know that there's ECOWAS. I know that there's a couple of other forums that set up and do something every year to bring in different um, stakeholders in the game to speak. But I don't know who's talking, what they're doing, where's the follow up, what happened, what they spoke about. I really don't know what's happening. But I think you, I think you said something really huge in terms of this conversation. You said coalition. I think that is what we really, really, really need. And when you look at Africa, I mean, the, our advantages are just insane. It's just advantage is, advantage is only an advantage if you take it, you know? And in the we short have, term. Yes, you, yeah. you're right. You know, yeah. we, we have that, we have some amazing advantages. We have this huge population. We have raw materials, you know, we have, yeah. and this raw materials, not just the materials themselves, we Workforce is a raw material, you know. We have all this, these things. Does the government doesn't have any any um, any commitments to 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 developing this these yeah. areas where we could we could compete? You know, if they do that, Africa can compete very well because to manufacture fashion is a very very deliberate undertaking. It's it's got lots of quality checkpoints. And you can't just wake up and very difficult to, yeah, yeah yeah very difficult to convince people you can't very difficult to convince a company like Gap to just bring its business to you when they are not so sure if you're gonna deliver how your qualities are gonna check check out and your dye like what kind of dyes are you using like is there even any control over the chemicals that I use so all of these nuances are important but we don't get them unless we can we compete if we are competing in manufacturing we know what's happening out there and we tell our our practices to match what's going on outside but because we're not strong in that area it's so difficult to learn this you have to be in it to learn it you know but because we're so far we're not so deep in it we're always lagging behind you know and um, that's a real problem we need we need blocks we need coalitions we need government interference and we need fin- financing. That's why, like, the conversation we had last week about funding is so big, you know. With, with, with our capacity in, in, in terms of resources, with that meeting, with that coming together with finance, financial backing, we can definitely compete, you know. We can make a good, good, we can make good shoes, we can make good cotton fabrics, we can make a whole lot of things. You know, guys. But we need coalition. So but this is a, a cultural matter, right? It's cultural. So as media, we could <laughs> we could give an input in this sense, and not only in Africa. Yeah, I think for me, uh, it's just important. This this conversation, we're gonna have to have it again. Because, and we're going to have to plug in uh, one more person. I know that Edgy is Chinese sometimes, but we're going to want to also get more insight again from maybe an investor who's actually uh, running things here in Africa uh, from China. And there are many of them. Uh, I just also feel like this should not be a conversation that brings hopelessness for those who are tuned in. Um, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit surprising and it's actually one of those conversations that leave me kind of a bit speechless because I, I really don't know, uh, 
what else to add on? Um, I think that between me, Edgy, and uh, Francisca, we've been able to um, to really uh, tap on to all the information that we can think about. But I think for me, all I would want to say to Africa and the fashion industry who's listening is that I think we need to be a bit more uh, careful and we also need to be a bit more involved and we need to care. Uh, living and doing your thing is great, but who's going to build this economy? And uh, I also think that obviously policies uh, need to be put in place. That's not going to be something me and uh, me or Fashion Lab or Cliffsand or Edgy or Francisca, whoever can do. I think that's something that, um, you know, if the policymakers are able to pay attention um, to what's going on a bit more on the ground, they will be able to realize that uh, Africa is a big, big, big pie. And if we don't pay attention and come up with some clear vision and tailored policies to make the best out of these opportunities, then now for us, I don't know what's going to happen after that. So Francisca and Edgy, uh, last, last, yeah. any last, um, any piece of advice, any last, uh, shots to the people who are listening, anything you want to share, um, uh, when it comes to this regard as to where we could move on or how we could move on, please, uh, go ahead. For me, I would say um, China's impact in Africa has been huge, just like their impact all over the world in terms of manufacturing. But I also want us as Africans to, to see that we China can, comes to us because of who we are and what we have. And um, I just, I just, if with just a little commitment, um, we can be another China. We can just be as competitive. Everybody would come to Africa to manufacture if we can do quality. If we can do uh, delivery, if we can do, if commitment to, to manufacturing, fashion or anything at all. That's, that would be my, my, my dream to be honest with you. From my point of view, uh, I, I mentioned uh, a sentence, a famous sentence. If you cannot uh, against them, join them. If you cannot beat and, them, uh, join them. You, you, if you can be, uh, you, you cannot fight them. Yeah, if you cannot beat you them, you join them. You need to be them. friend of them. <laughs> you need, you are obliged to be a friend of them. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a wider sense, uh, I could say that, um, okay, they are coming, they are doing their business, okay, but uh, let's try to, and uh, there is another time, the, the same topic, let's coalize all we Africans coalize, we uni united, go to sell something to China because there are huge quantities. Guys, are we going back to that when I say to you guys, what are we going to sell them that they wouldn't rip and sell back to us? Like seriously. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they already buying petroleum. Franc Francisca, leave Edgy alone on that tip. The one of sell them something, let Edgy come back. Edgy is the Chinese African. You go and find us what we can sell them that they will not make and sell us back. <laughs> but in a... <laughs> On, on a right. yeah, on a positive note, um, for those who are tuned in, we are on www.fashionlabafrica.com, and for further conversations, uh, you can plug in with us, and we can continue this. I would love to hear from you. And now we want to go straight to who would you want to address and why? Ting ling 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 ling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to start with uh, Francisca. Today, I would like to address uh, uh, the Marilyn Monroe. Mm hmm. Nice choice today. And why is that? Yeah. And why? Because because uh, she's a femininity 
supreme femininity. Redefined, uh, I tell you. Femininity without, uh, redefined. Timeless. Sorry, sorry. I said femininity redefined. She is really the epitome yeah. of femininity, you're right. Yeah, mm. exactly. Okay, and Edgy, who would you want to address besides me and Francisca today? <laughs> well, today I want to I, I want to address me. Gosh. You know why? <laughs> well, we open we open in about twenty days, and I think my roles are going to change, and I just want to dress up for my role. Hmm. Today I want to dress Angelina Jolie. Uh, and, uh, I d don't throw eggs at me. Please do not throw anything at me. I'm watching you guys. Do not throw anything. <laughs> I still think. I'm ready. To. Yes. And I still think that because Francisca started on the classic note, I think she's a classic girl. She's, she's, she's really, yeah. you know, when you see this woman, I'm not talking about her personal life. I'm talking about her physical. She's yeah, very yeah. classic. She looks beautiful. She walks with grace. She's, she's quite something. So I'd love to put her in one of my Liz O winter jackets or something. I don't know. I would like to just give her a Liz O uh, redefined moment. Hmm, redefining is coming up as a new keyword here today. Yeah. Alright. Well, so guys, thank you so much uh, for tu uh, for joining us on the show. Edgy, we appreciate your um, insights and same to you, Francisca. We definitely, uh, it's very important to have this insights and just kind of pick your brains as we continue these conversations. Uh, to really accelerate uh, the conversations around the business behind fashion, uh, specifically in Africa. So for those who are tuned in as well, uh, like I said, you can find us on Fashion Lab uh, for further conversations. Otherwise, it is peace and love until next week. Do not cry and do not send anything to China to her, try to sell them anything. I've warned you. I warned you already. Otherwise, it's peace and love until next week. Bisous. <laughs> Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.